U.S. Men's National Team Crisis Panic Mode Edition of the SBI Podcast. I am Garrett Cleverly. Back in Jersey is Ivis. What's up, man? I'm doing pretty well, and uh, I, I can safely say that I am healthy. I'm not injured, but then again, I'm not a U.S. National Team player. I know. What, Ivis, what is going on all of a sudden? I'll tell you what. I think somebody has a voodoo doll. I think maybe those voodoo dolls that, that, that came out in Mexico a few years ago that, that they tried to make to, to put a hex on the national team. I think they finally work now. I mean, when you think about all the guys that have been hurt, you know, obviously Clint Dempsey was already hurt. Gerundolo was hurt. Now you have Tim Howard added to that mix. Tim Howard, who never gets hurt, who had, had, hadn't missed a game in years, all of a sudden has broken bones in his back. Fabian Johnson had not missed a, a minute or had not missed a game all year, had started every game in the Bundesliga. He's injured. He didn't. He didn't play this past weekend. So you're starting to wonder what is going on here. Jurgen Klinsmann is Jurgen Klinsmann has got to be cursing his luck right now. Well, and now what we're going to expect, Ivis, is a team of total new guys. Not maybe a little similar to that roster, but I mean, Landon Donovan is still in Asia doing whatever it is he that he's doing out there. I mean, Ivis, we could see a whole new roster, and it's almost it's almost it's kind it's kind of nerve wracking of what what we could see on the field. Well, you know, there's still some time between now and the and the game against Costa Rica on the 22nd. Uh, so, so you still have a case of, of you know some guys who might come back. Clint Dempsey still might be back. Fabian, Fabian Johnson. It's unclear uh, what the timetable is for him. But uh, you know, at this point, it doesn't seem like it's a serious injury. Uh, but it's it is definitely a little nerve wracking. It's 12 um, days I'd, away. What's that? I'm sorry. It's 11 days away now. That game. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's not a it's not much time, but. You know, when you think about Dempsey, Dempsey's been sidelined for a few weeks now. He, he's had a few weeks to to, to rest up and, and heal heal his injury. Uh, Johnson's injury is a little bit of a newer one. When you talk about Tim Howard, though, that one was, I think, a shocker just because of how important he is to the team, uh, what the you know the leadership he brings, and the fact that he's just been in net pretty much every big game since after the 2006 World Cup. Uh, and you know, as much as 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 much as a nerve-wracking moment that was, that news when that news hit on Friday evening, uh, I think it, the fact that Brad Guzan is playing so well right now, playing the best soccer of his life, uh, I, you know, I think that pe- people should maybe th- their minds should be put at ease a little bit by the fact that Guzan has been playing really well. And and I want to tell you, those who don't follow Aston Villa, Brad Guzan, and maybe only see the results yes. and think that he's not having a good year. No, he is having a great year. He's been one of the few bright spots for Villa, if not for if not for Guzan's heroics throughout the year. Uh, I think Villa probably be in the last place in the English Premier yes. League. And as we stand right now, they they've just uh, moved out of the relegation zone. No, I totally agree with you on that. I can I can remember a couple games this year, Chelsea, where they lost four to zero. I remember that could have been you're right, at least eight zero nine zero, if it wasn't for the performance he had in that game. But you know, when you look at the whole team, though, as a whole, Ivis, I mean, we, we should expect, obviously, the same mix of guys in there. I mean, there's also some guys who are in great form as well, too, right now that, that we're forgetting about. I mean, Josie Altidore is doing what he's doing, and Hercules Gomez also. And it's great to see that two forwards right now are scoring goals for their club team. I mean, that that's something that, you know, we want to hope that can carry over to this U.S. men's national team. It's actually three forwards when you also include Terrence Boyd. That's right, who, Terrence Boyd. Who also just scored this past weekend again. Uh, he's broken the double-digit mark in in Austria with Rapid Vienna. Uh, the forwards, uh, you know, it, I don't feel like they've been the problem. It's the midfield that you still have to sort out. Uh, but now with the defense, now when you talk about in, uh, another player, another injury that we just forgot to mention that we we talked about the last show was Edgar Castillo. He's sidelined as well. He's got the facial fractures. It's unclear whether he's going to try to you know tough it out and play with a mask 
and, and maybe still be a part of qualifying. But think about left back now. Fabian Johnson's hurt. You don't know what his status is. Edgar Castillo has facial fractures. You don't know if he's going to be available. And then Michael Parkhurst, you know, it, 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 does he get the nod? I mean, at the, do you put him at left back? Uh, you know, he he's been a little as far as playing time. It's been it's been tough for him after he, you know, he did get a start, but now he hasn't he hasn't been able to play much lately. So, you know, if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, you have to have some serious concerns about the fullback position. Well, when you look at a player though, like we said with Hercules Gomez, I mean, he he's doing very well right now for his club team Santos Laguna, and you have to be really happy about what he's doing because. You know, he's a guy that this U.S. men's national team is going to need to rely on, that he's just going to grind away for 70, 80 minutes for the entire game, and, and this team needs that. Right. They, the U.S. definitely needs him on the field, putting in the defensive work and the, and the attacking work. I really think they missed his uh, his grit and determination in the Honduras game. It was a little bit of a head-scratcher that he didn't start in that game. Uh, but obviously, Klinsman had his reasons to, to start go with the lineup that he went with. Uh, but I think now when you talk about the form that he's in, he's done really well for Santos Laguna starting on the right wing, playing for their new coach. He's, he's, he's impressed yet another manager and earned a starting role. And Santos Laguna is doing, doing really well now, climbing up the standings. And they also have Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League play as well. Uh, as we know, they're playing the Houston Dynamo uh, in, in the CONCACAF Champions League. So things are really going, going really well for him. And, and you have to think that when 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 Jurgen Klinsmann gets puts the camp together and gets everybody in Denver uh, ready for these qualifiers. Hercules Gomez is going to be a player he turns to. Well, I was speaking of Hercules Gomez. Let's head down. Let's welcome in the Santos Laguna Ford into the show. Hercules, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? We're doing excellent. Congratulations on the goal. Thanks. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, you know, with the Champions League game coming up this weekend, you know, how important was it for your team to go back home and, and get that victory and just kind of get the good vibes going again? Uh, you know, I think for us, um, more than establishing um, just that winning habit was uh, securing those points, uh, especially since we have such a congested schedule and we have a lot of internationals and we know that the games are, uh, like I said, it's a congested schedule, but, you know, the body's going to be hurting, uh, you're going to be accumulating minutes, so it was important to kind of bag those points. So, uh, you know, fortunate enough that we played well enough at home uh, to secure that, but, you know, it's uh, it's still going to be a long road for us. Now, Herc, uh, you guys obviously had the the Champions League match last week against Houston, and they were they were able to get the late goal and pull out the win. And now you guys return home for the second leg, where uh, you know in Torian, when you guys have been really strong uh, at home, how do you like your chances uh, of turning things around in that series? And and what is it about teams coming to Torian? What is it? What is it that makes it so tough for teams to to come into Torian and get a result? Well. You know, I, I would have uh, liked our chances a lot more if it stayed zero-zero. If we would have uh, picked up a road goal, I think that definitely changes the complexion of the game. Obviously, them coming in with a uh, goal in hand uh, makes it difficult because now our, our tactic has to change. We definitely don't want to give up a road goal. Uh, we know that now makes us have to score three. Um, so it definitely changes things. You know, Houston's a good team. Um, we're not. Looking past them, we're giving them the respect that they deserve. At the same time, I do think, um, like you said, it will be difficult for them in Torreon. Um, it's difficult for any team. It's such a tough place to play in. Uh, the crowd really gets on you. Um, it's 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 one of those intimidating uh, stadiums here. You know, it's it's a it's a big field. It's tight. We we. We play uh, pretty well on it uh, as far as possession and making teams work and run. Uh, and, and 
and uh, to be quite honest, I, I just don't think uh, enough of these players have been in situations like this, and I think uh, sometimes that's, that's a factor for us. Hey, Hercules, when, when you look at the, the game and, and you take back from what you take from the Houston Dynamo game, you know, now it seems like there's a huge rivalry developing between the Mexican clubs and the American clubs. Do you sense that on the field that, you know, a lot of players, they really want to, one, represent their club and also represent their country? Yeah, it's, uh, like you said, it's not, it goes beyond the club now all of a sudden. It's a, it's a country sort of thing, and, and you sense that. And it's so strange for me to be on this side of it because uh, I could almost um, feel and imagine uh, how when we're, we played against Mexico or how we're going to go play against Mexico in this next qualifier, um, what they would say to each other in the locker room because it's things that are being said in our locker room and, and it gives you a, a kind of crazy, surreal sense of, of what the rivalry is about for them. Um, and and like you said, you know, it's 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 on both sides. I'm sure uh, I remember when I was in MLS and we, we, it was just a friendly against a Mexican league team. We didn't want to lose. Uh, it didn't matter if it was a friendly Super League or, you know, what be. Uh, you wanted to win. It was about pride. Now, now Hercules, uh, this I know people that uh, MLS fans that watched you guys last year in Champions League saw a pretty high flying team that put up a ton of goals. Now it seems like the the current Santos team is is a little is a different kind of team. You have a new coach, obviously. Can you talk about how how you guys are different, and also talk about just what you've been able to do to to kind of impress the new coach and, and earn a starting spot? Well, I think I think we're different in the sense that we're uh, more disciplined. Um, we were high flying, but we gave up um, silly goals at times. I mean, Toronto came into our house and scored two goals on us, uh, and and you know if we didn't quickly reply on those goals, uh, it could have been a completely different game. And and you know in this type of series, a road goal really complicates things. So things like that can can really hinder um, your outcome or your performance. And I think now defensively we're tighter. Uh, we defend as a unit, and it all starts up top. It starts about the you know uh, the way your forwards go and pressure, and which way they pressure, and where the outlets are, and uh, who they want the ball to be, um, whose feet they want the ball to be at, and uh, things like that. And I think we're getting smarter about that. I think uh, I think it's been good for us. Obviously, being so demanding, uh, the pace has just been ridiculous for a regular Liga Mekis uh, game. But that pace for us has been something that we've. We've uh, grown accustomed to, and uh, but it helps you out defensively. But also, it changes your way the way you play offensively. Our chances might not be as many, but we still have the same players. And and when they get those chances, you know they tend to bury them. Um, and uh, you know, on the other note, I, it, it's been great for me because uh, I, you know here comes a coach who who just expects you to uh, work hard and do your part. And if you can do that, and if you be just another cog in the system, uh, you'll do well. And I've come in and. You know, I've played everywhere. I think the majority of the season I've been playing um, outside mid, whether it be on the right or the left. And, you know, I'm already sitting at four goals and two assists as a midfielder and, you know, forward. And uh, it, it's just been about the team. And I think that's it's one of my strong suits. You know, I'll, I'll kill myself for the team. And, and I think it just uh, the way we've been playing, if I can just, you know, stay uh, mentally focused in those games and work hard, I'm going to find myself with those chances. And it's just it's to me to bury them. Now, I don't know if you noticed uh, this past week, uh, they've been uh, talking about the national team now. There's been quite a few injuries uh, lately. You're talking about Clint Dempsey, Tim Howard, Chirundolo, Fabian Johnson. Uh, I mean, it, is this, were you taken aback by how many injuries happened so fast? And, and were you almost looking over your shoulder to make sure uh, nothing crazy happened? You know, injuries are part of the game. I, I think it's a bit silly when people start freaking out over, over uh, 
you know, Timmy's injury. I mean, Timmy's a great goalie. He's one of the best in the world. So you, you definitely lose a lot. Um, but I'd be worried uh, if we didn't have one of the deepest goalkeeper pools in the, you know, in the world. Um, if that wasn't a position that we were just so strong in anyways, you know, um, I think we'll be fine. I think guys are, are hungry to step up. I think, I think, um, you know, guys know what we're up against and, and I think we're also a team that kind of likes the chips, you know, being down, you know, being that underdog. So, you know, it's not an ideal situation, but it's, it's something as professionals you, you have to deal with. I mean, I have two games this week and I'm not going to go change the way I play, uh, because I'm scared of getting injured. You know, I'm still going to go, uh, it's still in the same player. Uh, when I'm on the field, I, I'm going to you know, play the same way I do. Um, it, it's, it's one of those things you can't help. You know, if it's your time to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. I think sometimes when you try avoiding that type of thing, uh, it end, ends up making it worse. You know, Hercules, when you, when you look at the previous game, uh, you know, and, and you go forward, first game's going to be at home, next game's going to be at the road. You know, what, what do you, you know, I don't know if you talked to the guys about that previous game, but, you know, what are you guys going to have to change, or is there anything that you might do, do differently going into this game versus the last game? Yeah, I think there might be a lot you, you would do differently. Um, you know, hopefully it starts with their attitude, I think. Um, I think the players, you know, we talk so much about systems and, and tactics and, and coaching and, and, and whatnot, but I think sometimes as a player you have to accept responsibility. You have to assume uh, the role of, a, you know, and take that winner's mentality. And just today you're not going to get beat. The guy in front of you is not going to, you know, beat you. It doesn't matter if it's your position or not. It's your 1v1 battle, and if enough of your players win that 1v1 battle, chances are you're going to win the game. I, I think going into this, uh, obviously we're going to change, I believe, tactics and, and formations and, and style of play and all that, but I think it has to start with that. I think it, we all have to assume the responsibility of, you know, this is our house, we're not losing points, and then we know we're going to go into a very difficult place where historically it hasn't been kind to us. Uh, but I, I think, you know, in the back of their minds, they know that we can beat them, you know, so it, it's it's definitely uh, who wants a more type of game. Obviously, they're a very good team, um, you know, very good team. But you know, I think we're capable of going in there stealing points. Absolutely. Now I know you, you can't look too far ahead uh, of things just because you have so many games on your own, own schedule. But how, how much are you looking forward to getting back in the national team camp and and fighting for a starting spot again? You were obviously starting on a regular basis for a while, and and now the Honduras game you didn't start. How much did that? How much is that? Did that kind of motivate you, or is that motivating you to get back into camp and kind of show Clemson that you should be back in the starting lineup? Yeah, you know, I, I work at that every day. Uh, I try to be a better player every day, and and this isn't just something that that I say or something. It's not a, a sports cliche. I I feel like I'm in one of the best moments in my life right now. Uh, I feel like my soccer IQ has heightened. I feel like I feel like I'm finally playing um, how I want to play and the amount of uh, time that I want to play, and, and and it's just about me taking advantage of these opportunities and. And if I could just keep doing those things, those small things, you know, being a good teammate, working, the other things fall into place. And, and you know, you go into these stretches of games and, and your coach gives you the confidence to keep playing and keep playing and keep starting and keep starting, whether it be multiple positions. It gives you that confidence. So you see that, it makes you want to build and work for more. And, you know, that being the national team, because I, I know um, how awesome and special that is. Now, now you, you've... You know, been in Mexico for for several years now, and and you've been able to kind of get a sense of how people in Mexico view American soccer, view MLS. It seems like it, it seems like the ties between the countries are growing every day. Now you have uh, Mexican games, Mexican league games on ESPN in English. Uh, you know, you you have uh, Club Tijuana doing so well 
and being a big hit in San Diego. I mean, have you have you been have you been surprised at all? Or did you kind of or did you always kind of see this coming where where you're starting to see more of a respect for 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 Americans in Mexico and more respect for Mexican soccer in the U.S. No, I, I've seen it coming, and and I'm not the only one who's seen this coming. I mean, Mexican Mexican team down Mexican teams down here do a tremendous job of you know trying to find talent um, up north. They they know the type of talent type of player that's up there. Uh, you know they're doing everything they can to to get these players and poach them and and to bring them down. And you know there, there's talent and and there's mutual respect more than anything. I think uh, I think this rivalry's come a long way. Uh, I don't think it's like uh, in the 2000s, uh, early 2000s, where um, it was very cut and dry. Uh, you know, it was it was uh, more of a bitter rivalry. Now I think it's a, it's a respect. They respect each other. We respect each other. We know that uh, the two very good teams, um, two kind of the giants of Concacaf, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, I hate using that term, but historically, and and you know, it's. I don't think there are any favorites when you play uh, these type of games. You know, I I think it's. Uh, who's on their day and who wants it more type of thing. I think uh, with the U20 tournament that just finished, the CONCACAF tournament, uh, quite a few players uh, based in Mexico were able to impress a couple of guys you know pretty well, and Danny Cuevas and, and Benji Hoya. Can you just talk about those guys, and, and, and do, were you able to watch those games? And uh, w- Is it safe to say those guys have some pretty bright futures, do you think? I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so funny when you watch um, a soccer game on TV or you look from the outside in. Your perspective is definitely different um, than than what probably they would feel. And listening to the stories they would tell me and how they were doing in the tournament, just like how excited they were and how much they how badly they wanted to beat Mexico, you know, things like that, really really make me happy for the future of the U.S. and and you know their future. These are two kids with great heads on their shoulders. You know, they they really they're really hungry. They they they're getting a taste of what it takes already. They're in a club right now where it's this is a big club in Mexico and. You know, these are two very bright kids, and, and other teams maybe they'd be pushed um, and, and given things too easily. And here, you know, they're they're working and just train with the first team. You know, it's 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 a tough thing for them. And these are two kids that you know don't shy away from from those battles or from those challenges. And you know, they've got bright futures. You know, and not only in the U.S. Uh, but here in Mexico, I think you know, it's 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 so easy to say sky's the limit with these kids, but it really is. It's you know, they can go as far as they want. Now, Hercules, you're, uh, you've got the upcoming World Cup qualifiers uh, against Costa Rica and Mexico. Two big games. How much have you been able to think about those games? And and, and that first game is going to be in Colorado, in Denver, a place you know very well. I mean, is that has that even sunken in the, the possibility of that? And, you know, that kind of go, going back there and having the chance to play there again? Well, I don't like to get ahead of myself. And, and I don't also don't want to disappoint anybody, but I, I haven't thought that far ahead. I'm thinking about, you know, Houston on, on Wednesday. You know, that's, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about how to get myself healthy enough and fit enough to be ready for a 90, to go 90 minutes of that game. Um, once I get into Denver, I'm sure uh, nostalgia and whatnot's going to come on to play. You know, it's, it's a place where, um, you know, I was very fond of. I had I had a couple of uh, bad memories there as well, but, you know, good memories as well. You know, I scored the first goal in the stadium, and so it, it's a lot of, a lot of uh, emotions, but those are just things you know that every player goes through. And you know, Denver's a great place, and, and you know, uh, Costa Rica's a good team. Um, you know, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping uh, that crowd can lift us, and, and we like they did in Columbus, and you know, we can steal those three points. Getting back to this week, uh, you have the Houston Dynamo uh, coming up. They're going, they're going down to Torreon. You, you saw them in the first leg. You know, they're a tough team. 
they're tougher defense probably than, than either of the MLS teams you faced last year. What's going to be the key to beating those guys and getting the result that you need to, to progress? I think using our uh, our experience. Um, you know, we've been in these big games. Uh, I'm not saying Houston has it because they have. You know, they, they're constantly in playoffs. They're constantly fighting for championships. But I don't think they've been in these kind of environments. Uh, I don't think they see this week in, week out uh, like we do. Um, and I think that could be a factor for us. I think if we get on top of them early, uh, they could be in trouble. Uh, but likewise, you know, this is, this is a tactical battle, and, and the game changes as it goes. And uh, if if they're fortunate enough to get a goal, it can definitely change the panorama of the game, and uh, it could be something totally different. But we're looking to get on top of them early. We're looking to, to set the tone. We're looking to, uh, to make them feel like they're definitely in a foreign country. Hey, uh, Eric, I got one. Uh, it's it's not quite a – it's kind of a soccer-related question, but I mean to ask it now because you know, you know I'm a big MMA fan. Yeah. Obviously, you're a big MMA fan. Who – if these two were to fight, an MMA fight, who would win, Felipe Beloy or Gucci Onyewu? <laughs> Man, it's, it, it's so funny when you – when people talk about uh, things like that because you know both of them, and both these guys are like teddy bears. You know, like <laughs> to me, they're like teddy bears. So I, I don't know. I don't even think they'd want to fight each other. So it, right. it's a tough one, man. Um, you know, Philippe is a big guy, but Gooch is just so much more athletic. Like Gooch is crazy strong. Well, Herky, well, he, what, he what also a, broke. He also broke Zlatan Ibrahimovic's ribs, so that yeah, gives him a little yeah. street cred. So well, Herky, yeah, you don't mess with Zlatan, man. That guy was crazy enough to mess with Zlatan. So you know, Gooch has got some cred. Well, Herky, what about you and your brother? Who'd win that fight? Now or back then? <laughs> well, I mean, okay, back then, who would win back then? You? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had older brother strength, you know? <laughs> I, I'm the oldest of four brothers. You got that, like, five seconds of mental aspect over them. Yeah, yeah. It's like now, it's like saying, who's the better soccer player? That's not fair. <laughs> you know? you That's get, what he does for a living. Wait, do you guys ever talk about, you know, changing jobs for a day? No, no. I, I've, I've uh, done strength and conditioning and training with him and whatnot, and, you know, he used to come out and play pickup games with me and my buddies when, uh, when I was in Vegas, and it's a totally different animal for both of us. And, you know, I respect the hell out of what he does. I think it's such a crazy and disciplined sport. And it's not for everybody. And, and the things they go through and the respect they have for each other, it's, it's something you don't see every day. Uh, and I think he respects what we do. He, I'm telling you, he, he's not the type of guy that likes to run and all this. He doesn't get it. Um, but he, there's definitely a huge mutual respect. Well, I could definitely tell you guys have, like, a fun sibling rivalry thing going. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, we're 13 months apart, you know. You're talking about two kids who grew up together. Uh, we're in the same room with each other for years, and, you know, if it was, uh, if I had a red sweater for my birthday, he got a red sweater, you know. So it was, it was always kind of like that. So I think it's good that he found him a mate. It gave him something to call his own, and, you know, it's nobody in our family does it uh, besides him, but we all support it. We all, you know, love him, and, and you know, kids, you know, the, the kid's a strong kid, mentally tough, and I think that's something that we kind of uh, share. You know, we, we can we can rely on each other to kind of give pointers on. Now, now Herc, you, you've obviously had your, your share of adversity uh, through your career, and you've really come through it uh, and excelled. Uh, obviously, Ulysses, your brother, is going through a bit of adversity right now, ha- had some recent recent losses. Have you guys, have you been kind of trying to talk to him, talk him through that stuff, and, and, and has he been kind of leaning on you for that support? You know, the great thing about, uh, the great thing about what we've experienced is um, if we're down, we're usually not down for too long. Um, you know, he sent me a few text messages um, when he lost and whatnot, and 
and you know I gave him a few words of encouragement, but it was pretty much like, hey, you know, like you got to get back up. You can't let this define you. You know, this is this is something that's gonna hold you back. You know, but it's not gonna set you back. It's holding you back right now, but it's not setting you back uh, for good. And it's it's been the same way. When I have something that doesn't go my way, is one of the first people that you know texts me, calls me, and you know, big support system in each other's lives. Uh, we know how mentally tough it is to kind of be in the public eye and to kind of have disappointments or, or to kind of not feel like uh, you're getting what you want or you're doing enough, um, you know. So it, it, it's good to have kind of that, that experience and to share with him and vice versa. Well, Herc, I mean, we could definitely, you know, we can tell that comes from you when we watch you on the field. And uh, good luck going forward and, uh, and good luck uh, with the next couple games coming up, all right? Appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. Ivis, that's refreshing to hear that he has that like that five second edge over his brother. I got that over my brothers. They're all bigger than me. Then they realize that they're bigger than me and they kick the crap out of me. Well, you know, I tell you what, it, you know, I also have a have a younger brother, and uh, you know, I, I pretty much could kick his butt for for years. And uh, I think now I'm a little too old. I, I think I think I'd have to fight dirty. I think that's what happens as you get older. You you, you know, you, you rely on old old man strength, but also on dirty fighting. I think that's what you have to do. Well, against your, I mean, come on. Any time in a sibling fight, you have to fight dirty. That's a given. It's not even dirty. It's just called brother fighting. Yeah, ex- yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, I was, as we said with Hercules, you know, they have a huge game coming up. It's it's funny. Like, I mean, he, he summed it up well. It's obviously we want Hercules to do well, but we want the Houston Dynamo to advance. I mean, it's, it's such a funny catch-22. And that, that game is going to be played on the 13th, which is on Wednesday, and that's going to be in Santos Laguna. Right. It's a, you know obviously for MLS, it's so important the the Champions League and getting getting a team an MLS team to win the tournament. Uh, obviously, Don Garber recently made the comments that that's a goal for the league, and and I do think that it will help bring some credibility and some respect for MLS and to MLS when a team finally does make that run and wins the title, knocks off the Mexican teams. And, you know, I think this group, this year's group, uh, you know, has a pretty good chance as far as this round anyway. I mean, I think all three teams that are still alive uh, did pretty well for themselves in the first legs. uh, The Houston Dynamo, I mean, as I said last show, I mean, I think while they had the best result, uh, you know, they won. They're the one team that did win. I think they have the toughest task because they have to go on the road, to a place like Santos Laguna, where, where you know Santos is, is you know four and one there this calendar year, and they're such a tough team, and they're a different team now than we saw a year ago. They're defensive, they're a stronger team, as Hercules mentioned. They're they're a more disciplined team, so you know they're not going to give up cheap goals. Uh, and obviously, with Houston having that 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 um, having not allowed an away goal, the Dynamo know that if they get an away goal, it mm-hmm. changes things dramatically. Uh, but it's going to be a great series. I, I I think it's safe to say. All U.S. fans will be rooting for the Dynamo. Maybe some folks in Dallas might not because, you know, obviously there's that Houston, Houston-Dallas Houston rivalry thing going on. But if you're an MLS they fan... They should cheer for them. I, I agree. I think every team in MLS, every fan in MLS should be rooting for all three of these teams because you want to have MLS start knocking off these Mexican teams because until that happens, it, you know, MLS will still kind of be that second-class citizen in the region. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is the year though. I, I, I said this going into the they quarterfinals, that. uh, that I think maybe, you know, we're a year away from seeing an MLS team win it. Um, you know, I think the galaxy, you know, they, with obviously losing Beckham and then, you know, and Donovan's still not back. You don't know what, how much, how far they can go. I think the Sounders have a really tough task going up against Tigers, even though they're at home for the second leg 
And even though, you know, they're only down 1-0, I, I think Tigris is just such a good team. I, I just think it's going to – I just don't – you know, I think it's really tough. So, you know, you could see all three uh, MLS teams out, although I think the Galaxy will get – I think they'll get to the quarters. But then they have to face Monterey, who, who's, who've won this tournament, you know, multiple times. Yeah. Uh, so if you're an MLS fan, I'd say, you know, don't get too upset if the MLS – uh, doesn't get a team in the final, doesn't win it again. Uh, but I think progress is clearly being made in these competitions. You, you're seeing the gap close. It, it, it absolutely is closing. I know some people refuse to believe that. Some people think, oh, no, there's still a humongous gap. Listen, there is a gap between the Mexican League and MLS. Anyone who denies that is just in, they're just not dealing in reality. But I think the gap is closing. I think MLS is starting to spend more money. Uh, teams are getting smarter about the money they spend, uh, cleaning up the mistakes that they make. I mean, you saw this offseason, all the big money players who were let go and, and their contracts uh, bought out. You know, M- MLS teams aren't playing around anymore. They're, re- they're really trying to be smart about how they build their teams. Well, and you also have to applaud MLS scheduling committee for not scheduling any of these teams to play this weekend. I mean, Santos Laguna played a game, and we said that Hercules Gomez scored a goal in that game, but none of these three teams, they didn't play this weekend, and you had to be really actually very happy with MLS scheduling for not scheduling these teams. Right, without a doubt. And and, and I got to I got to have to applaud Hercules for his goal. I didn't we we didn't mention it in the interview with him, but I mean, for those who didn't see it, go on SBI, check it out. He scored a beautiful free kick goal. Uh you know, he usually is in the box scoring on headers or, or scoring for close range. He actually hit a long-range free kick. Uh so he, you know, showing off a little bit of the range. Uh but, you know, I I'd say that it's going to be a great week, uh, and you know I think you could see at least one team go through from MLS. Uh, but who knows? I think if if the Dynamo pull off the shock in Monterey, I think that would be huge. I mean, uh, pull off the shock and Torreon against Santos Laguna, that would be a major, major step for MLS. No, that would be huge. And I was speaking of MLS and MLS action. Uh, a confusing weekend. Just to, uh, how do you sum up this weekend? It, I call it bizarro week in yeah. MLS because th- things happen that just don't normally happen. Uh, you know, you've never had three Canadian teams all win in the same weekend. You had it happen. You just don't have Chivas USA win games, win games by multiple goals. We saw that happen. Uh, not, not everything was new though. We saw some things that are very familiar. San Jose winning a goal, winning a game late uh, with a great comeback. The Red Bulls melting down, courtesy of Roy Miller. So we saw some things that, you know, have become kind of commonplace nonetheless. But I would say the week was definitely filled with a lot of surprises. Well, let's start off with perhaps maybe the most exciting game. That was the San Jose versus New York. San Jose does it again. They come back late. Unbelievable finish. And uh, I guess, I mean, San Jose, they're not missing a beat from last year, Ivis. Okay, first, before anyone gets crazy, based on Garrett's comments, no, it was not an exciting game. It was an well, exciting, exciting finish. finish. It was an exciting last ten minutes. The first eighty minutes could have put it could put anybody to sleep. Let, let's be honest; it was really well. Bad. I live in the moment, and it was exciting. So it's exciting, Ivis. It was a great finish. It was a great finish, courtesy of Roy Miller's ineptitude, and also San Jose's never say die mentality. Yes, uh, I mean you got to give the earthquakes credit. I mean, considering all the players they're missing right now, the injuries. You know, they don't have Alan Gordon, Stephen Lenhart. Uh, Marvin Chavez, Stephen Betashore, they lost uh, Simon Dawkins this offseason. So they, they're, they're, it's the squad that's on the field now is a far cry from the Supporters' Shield winner from a year ago. And they still were able to get a result. And, and uh, you know, it looked like they were, they were, it looks like they were going to lose that game. And then the rookie, 
uh, forward from Stanford. Adam John comes in. He scores a beautiful goal. He draws a, uh, what was a pretty absurd penalty on, on Roy Miller, who decided he wanted to put his arm completely over his head in the penalty area. Uh, but that, but just a great comeback for San Jose. And and when you think about how tough the Western Conference is, and 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 when you talk about playoffs and whatnot, it was vital for San Jose to get three points because you, you did not want to start uh, your first. You don't want to start the year two home games, one point from two home games, especially if you're San Jose. Well, it's a tough start to the season, especially for New York having their two games against tougher Western Conference opponents, Portland Timbers that they tied. Last week, and now they lost to San Jose Earthquakes. What are the Red Bulls going to have to do now going forward? Because, I mean, are they just a team that can't hold on to the league? Is that what they're going to become now? Well, that, I'll tell you what. The first thing you got to do, if you're Mike Petke, is go have a talk with Roy Miller and either cut him or put him so deep on the bench that he cannot be a factor in big games. Because the fact of the matter is he has done this repeatedly. He has had these meltdowns in big moments. And, and you know what? Uh, it's interesting because I spoke to Mike Pecky before the season, and I asked him flat out. I asked him straight up, why is Roy Miller still on this team? And, and, and Pecky was pretty frank. He's like, you know, he's a, he's a good locker room guy. He's a better player than people give him credit for being. He has made his mistakes, but Mike Pecky still had confidence in him. And, and, and you, you know what? I just, don't, I just don't get it. I mean, I don't know how a player can, can be so bad in the playoffs for three straight years. I mean, cost his team playoff, uh, you know, key playoff games uh, for three straight years and still has a place on the roster. And you know what? The Red Bulls, they, 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 they reap what they sow. Yeah. They kept them on the team. They, and not only did they keep them on the team, they kept they kept them in the starting lineup and they paid the price today. He had an absolute meltdown, arguably the worst half of soccer I think I've ever seen in MLS from a defender. Just listen to this, listen to this rundown of what he did mm-hmm. in, in about a span of 15 minutes. He got beaten for a goal for the equalizer. He got called for a ridiculous handball where his hand was all the way up in the air. Before that, he was beaten on another play that could have been a goal. And then on the penalty that he drew, that he gave up, Chris Wondolowski steps up, has his penalty saved, but Roy Miller encroaches on the penalty area. I mean, blatantly encroaches on the penalty area. The the Ricardo Salazar, the referee. I can never figure calls, that out. I, I can never well, figure out why players do that. I know, and you know what? If you're, the, it's even worse because it's the Red Bulls. They did it last year yes. in the playoffs. It cost them the playoffs. If anything, they, if any team should know not to do that, it's them. And Roy Miller, I mean, the picture of Roy Miller encroaching is just classic. Because I mean, he's almost even with Wondolowski by the time Wondolowski takes the PK. So you know, everything, like it, all that happened in about ten minutes. It's like Roy Miller. You know what? If you didn't know any better. And I'm not saying he is. I personally, I refu- I absolutely do not think he is. But if you didn't know any better and you were watching this game, you would think, man, this there's some match fixing going on. There's some, you know, someone's got money on this game. Stop, Ivis, stop they, it, you know, stop Dan, it, Dan stop it. Someone, there's some money in, in Thailand or Cam- some, Cambodia somewhere. There's money on this game. But you know what? Roy Miller cannot see the field again for the Red Bulls for a long time. Well, Ivis, let's go to a uh, another game just north of San Jose. That's the Portland Timbers versus Montreal. And look at Montreal Impact getting greedy, going out to the West Coast, stealing three points from Seattle, and now three more from the Portland Timbers. And this Montreal team, I mean, if you look at the stats of this game, they are, you know, less shots on goal, uh, I mean, attempts on goal, and, and I mean, just uh, just kind of overall back on the statistics. But Montreal, though, man, taking advantage of their chances, and I mean, you got to kind of like what they're doing right now. It's very simple with Montreal. They've been very sound defensively. They make things tough for their opponents. 
and you know they frustrate you and then they catch you on the counter mm-hmm. and they're deadly on the counter they've been deadly on the counter um well they're waiting on the road too which is huge right no obviously for a team like that the team especially for montreal who last year were one of the worst road teams yeah. in the league they only won two road games all year last year and Horrible. they've won that many in the first basically eight days of the season uh and and you have to credit the the, the new head coach there marco Shalabam, who who's really kind of it seems like he's really tightened things up there ha- has them playing more disciplined defense and uh you know if you look at portland i mean for a second game now mm-hmm. they dominate possession they control the tempo but they can't they can't finish in the final third enough and they also made some defensive blunders this is it basically was last week all over again the only difference was they didn't complete the comeback although they almost did late um but montreal you have to give them credit they're a veteran team uh, what what's going to be interesting to see is how they are when they go back home because you know is it going to be the same defensive catenaccio style italian style defensive soccer mm-hmm. or are they going to open things up and attack are they going to go after people at home i mean i think that seems it seems to be the the belief that you know once they get home they're going to really start throwing numbers at people that they're just sticking defensively uh on the road because they want to try to get points on the road which they weren't able to do last year uh, I'm not ready to call them, you know, cup contenders or anything like that. No, but no, no, I've been no. very, very impressed with Montreal. And if you're the Timbers, you have to, you have to feel a little uh, upset at the fact that you just, you know, you still don't have a win. Uh, although you, you know, in some ways you outplayed your opponents uh, in both games. I'd say more so in the first game. The second game, I would, I, I don't know if you can say they outplayed Montreal, even though the stats will show that they controlled possession. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you knock the ball around in the middle of the park. If you, if you you complete passes in your in your back third and in the middle of the it's what you do in the final third and they just weren't able to break through they weren't sharp enough uh, in the final third to punish Montreal and uh, that's a credit to Montreal but it's also something that Caleb Porter has to work on although I think the Timbers their bigger issues defensively it's two games now five goals allowed they really need to tighten things up because I think they're going to score goals. But the, with that, the way the defense is looking right now, though, that, that's not a playoff defense. How nasty was that bicycle goal from uh, Hassoun Kamara? I mean, are we talking, does he now have the best goal of the year so far? Well, okay, a few things. Number one, it's technically not a bicycle kick because his, his foot, his other foot was still on the ground. I had that same question uh, on Saturday, and, and, uh, and several people clarified that it's considered an overhead kick, but you don't, you don't get the full bicycle kick credit unless you leave the ground both legs in the air and marcelo balboa style kick it over you know completely do the flip so uh but but is it go i don't know if it's goal of the week honestly i mean it's a great goal but you know but I, for me wait wait wait. i'm watching listen, the replay right here kobayashi, kobayashi's long range bomb was for me i mean because that i mean he meant that one i mean i think i think kamara i felt like kamara's was a bit a bit of a hit and hope situation where I think Kobayashi planted one from distance in the top corner. I'm watching the replay right here. I mean, it looks like his foot is going up when he connects on the ball. Uh, his, nah, you know what? I, I, his foot I'm was just, on I'm it. just saying. I'm just saying. It's an overhead kick. <laughs> I did. Hey, I made the same mistake. I called it a bicycle kick. I tweeted bicycle kick when it first happened. Oh, thanks, Ivers. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you can reassure me that, that the mistake that I made is okay by your standards. I'm just letting you know you're not alone in, 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 in your incorrect uh, you know, assumption. No, 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 no. I, I totally understand. All right, I would say uh, to, let's let's continue on this bizarre week theme that we have going on. Um, Toronto they beat Sporting Kansas City. Uh, what? Uh, yep, Toronto FC <laughs> defeated Sporting Kansas City, uh, and two one. And, and you know, got to tell you those newcomers. 
the new players that they've added, Robert Earnshaw and John Bostock, were both great for TFC. And and it wasn't just those two. It was the team defense, the defense that they were able to play. Uh, and again, Sporting Kansas City, they're an interesting one because for the second week in a row, they were absolutely terrible in the first half. They just, they just, you know, it it, it was as if Toronto could just bully them all over the field. It's like they wouldn't let them get going. They 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 were just too quick for them, shutting them down, closing them down, putting really good pressure on the ball all over the field. Uh, but then in the second half, you saw it. You saw glimpses of the Sporting Kansas City we've all come to expect. Uh, the, you know, the team that can combine well, create chances. For me, CJ Sapong, I still don't get why he's not starting. I'm sure Peter Vermees has a you know, he's a good coach. I'm sure he has a great explanation for it. But now we've been through two weeks now and CJ Sapong has come on the bench come off the bench and been great for them and been a difference maker for them. I don't see how you keep him off come the next game, there's absolutely no excuse for him not to be in the starting lineup. Uh I, I just don't you know, I just I don't see how you do it. So uh, if you're Kansas City now, you, you know you, you have three points from two games, but it's been two really disappointing performances, and and, and I don't know how much I don't you can't it can't all be about Roger Espinosa and Kai Kamara. I mean, I'm sure they miss those guys. You're talking about two Premier League caliber players uh, getting plucked off your roster. That is a loss, but they still have too much talent on this team to look as bad as they have looked in the first half of both their games. Well, I mean, what do you say for Toronto, though? I mean, you got to look at their defense and, and come away with how impressive it was, you know, from the play of Darren Odea, you know, Danny Califf. I mean, you have to like what they did right there. I mean, holding down that victory against Sporting Kansas City, they kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Is this a Toronto team? I mean, do we kind of need to hold our breath still, breath still on this team and kind of say, okay, it was just one game. Let, let's see maybe what happens in the next game. Well, I mean, you do. if you're a Toronto fan, you do have to feel good about – uh, what Ryan Nelson is doing there, just because I mean, you 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 see a different attitude there. You see a more a more uh, commitment to defending, more of a commitment, uh, a team commitment to to being to, to to putting pressure on teams. It wasn't it wasn't really just the back four. It wasn't about the back four. It was a complete team effort from the forwards to the midfield, putting pressure on the on on Sporting Kansas City, uh, not letting them get going offensively, and also attacking them. I mean, John um, Bostock was was a terror on the wing for them. And as much as I hated the, the, the diving, I mean, the guy, someone needs to tell him, listen, man, like, you can't dive. You, you can't just, with we, I'm sure you've heard the referees are bad in MLS, but you can't just be blatantly diving. Mm-hmm. I mean, the PK he drew was a legitimate PK, but there were some other plays where it was just, like, so obvious that, that he's trying to dive there. But, uh, but again, Earnshaw and Bostock look great for me. And, and, the, and well, the interesting part is Luis Silva st- hasn't been, you know, he's been injured. And he's, such a talented midfielder that you you want to see how uh, his how he gets uh, acclimated into the team how, how Nelson uses him and we're gonna find out just how how far along TFC is next week when they uh, when they play the Montreal Impact in, in what's gonna be a game everyone's gonna want to yeah. watch to see just which one of these teams is for real when you talk about a team coming along I guess quickly the Philadelphia Union defeated the Colorado Rapids and. I mean, you kind of had to like what they have to do. Or, I mean, but then again, at the same time, in Colorado, second straight week where I mean, they looked pretty good, but they couldn't finish. But Philadelphia, though, I mean, you got to kind of like that that the quick turnaround. This team kind of has that short memory. Yeah, if you listen, if you're the Philadelphia Union, uh, a young team, a team that struggled badly on the road last year, much like Montreal, mm-hmm. for them to go to Colorado, uh, a, a tough place to play, and, and you know, not, it's not about the fans, it's not about Colorado playing better, but you talk about altitude. Uh, and and then the weather uh, for Philly to go there uh, and come away with three points is big. It's very big for a young team. Uh, obviously, their first the, you know week one was disappointing for them. 
but now if you're the, if you if you're the union, you have to kind of feel good about the way the season has started for you. You played a really good first half against Kansas City in the mm-hmm. opener before you had the kind of second half meltdown, and then and now here you are. You go to Colorado. You have the game can't postponed on you. It was a Saturday game. It got pushed to Sunday, mm-hmm. and for them to to tur- you know turn around and beat them. Uh, to beat the Rapids, I mean, it, it's got to be a big confidence booster. And you're talking about, again, you're talking about a young team, team that's going to have its growing pains, and a team that's still dealing with the issues of, of having a third of their salary cap tied tied into players that aren't aren't around the team right now. So you know, credit to them, they've got three points. I still think it's going to be a long year for them. I still think this is kind of a rebuilding year. But if you're John Hackworth, you have to be feeling pretty good about the way the team has looked so far. Iris, let's continue talking about the Philadelphia Union. Let's welcome in Amobi Akugo. Amobi, how are you doing today? Good. How's everything going? Everything's, I mean, everything's going good for us, but I mean, I'm assuming things must be going pretty good for you today. Your team gets a W. You get a goal. I mean, how, how does that feel, you know, walking away from Colorado, you know, with both of those accomplishments? It feels good because, you know, uh, we, we haven't really got a result away from home, especially in Colorado. And especially to dig ourselves out the hole early, you know, we didn't want to go into uh, our third home, our third game um, down to uh, down 0 and 2. So it's good to get a road win, especially in a tough environment. Then they get the snowstorm there and back How tough was that to kind of deal with? And also for you, congrats on your first goal. Uh, I was surprised a little that there was no no real dance uh, choreographed there. Is it just we just not expecting it? What happened? Uh yeah uh thanks 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 a lot but when I scored I it just kind of hit me I didn't really have time to plan a celebration I'm not like a forward that knows I'm gonna score so when I scored I just wanted to act like I've done it before and just kept it easy celebration and uh in terms of the the whole um, debacle with the postponement of the game it, it was tough because um we didn't really get to touch the ball because um the snow the snow came in hard. But the training staff and the coaches did a great job of keeping our legs warm. Um, we were able to get massages and stuff like that just to make sure we were fresh and um, trying to get acclimated to the altitude. I heard you guys were having a little tough time uh, finding finding places to kind of work out, and obviously there was no field for you guys to train in. So, I mean, how, how, how tough was that? And what what did you guys end up having to do to kind of warm up and, and keep keep fresh on Saturday? It was really tough, actually. Uh, we got it on Friday, and then uh, we weren't able to, because our flight got delayed on Friday, so we weren't able to go to the fields. So we ended up uh, making do with um, the gym we had at the hotel. Um, we just did, like, a nice weekend to get our legs loose. Uh, a couple guys did cool workouts. And then the next day, with the whole blizzard, uh, we ended up going to a, a local basketball court and then ended up just a little small side of 5v2, and then just to get the legs a little bit warmer. A couple guys, you know, just played a, a, a short, short um, pickup basketball game just to, just to get the blood flowing and stuff. Nothing too serious, but um, the main, uh, the main purpose was just to get our blood blood flowing and acclimatize to the altitude. Wait, who who's the best basketball player? Uh, I don't want to toot my own horn and say it's me, but uh, Coach Rob is actually pretty good, and then you got Coach Jim. And then Antoine's actually pretty good. He has a nice little spin move. So, who, but you're still not better than your brother, right? I mean, your brother's a pretty your brother's a baller, <laughs> a baller right? I mean. uh, yeah, my little brother. Yeah, he's he's overpassed me so far. He's he's the best one now. Nice. How, how important was it to get to get a result like this, especially after last week, where you come out and you have such a good first half, and then things kind of fell apart in the second half? I mean, what? I mean, how much of a kind of morale booster was this win after what happened last week? 
Yeah, it was a it was a big morale boost. Uh, you could tell with the, the celebration after the game, everyone was so happy, especially the way we let down in the second half against KC. You know, it's, it's still going to take time. We didn't play our best, but we fought hard. And, you know, no one remembers how you played as, as long as you get three points. Especially in a place like Colorado, uh, it, was, it was big to go back home you know, and play New England. You know, Amobi, what's the biggest difference between this year and last year? You know, now that you've been on, I mean, you've been on the team for a couple of years now. You know, what do you sense as far as you know the, the, the players and the environment? I mean, what's the biggest change in comparison? Um, one of the biggest changes, I think, a, a lot of the young guys aren't like looking to the older guys to try to babysit them and tell them what to do. I mean, we've been there, done that at this point in our career. So we're trying to take more of a, you know, more of a hands-on approach in the game, and you know. Um, coach the coaches and the organization, but do a good job to bring in more uh, veterans to help stabilize the ship. And we're just trying to work together as a team and grow and learn from our the pains that we did that we suffered last year. Now, now last year you guys were a very very young team, and I, I know one of the keys. Uh, this offseason for Hackworth w- was to bring in some some older guys, and he's been able to do that with guys like Jeff Park, uh, bringing Latou back, and also Connor Casey. How, how important has it been having those guys in, and, and what have they brought to the what have they brought kind of brought to the table there in the locker room? It's, it's excellent because you know with Seba Seba being a integral part to our foundation, it's good to have him back. You know, Philly through and through with guys like Connor and Jeff who consistently been in playoffs, have won trophies. It's good to get their experience because, you know, when you have young guys, we're learning on the job, and they've done it. They're able to, you know, tell us when something's going to happen or just lead by example. So it's been great to have them and hear their stories because we all aspire to what they have accomplished in their careers. You know, you've been with the union since 2010. I mean, you're also with the U23s this past this past uh, this past rotation. You know, now that you've had some experience and you've been around the block, I mean, do you feel more of a sense of that? You know, you need to step up be, and be more of a leader since you've been around. Oh yes, most definitely. I mean, um, with my experience with the team, I've been here one of the first guys. I feel like I should I I, I have to step up, especially if I'm going to be playing to try to make an impact and try to help uh, lead the young group. I'm one of the young guys, but. I feel like uh, it doesn't matter how young you are. If you can make a difference, you should always try to do that. Now, now Moby, talking about the U23s, I mean, obviously obviously a year ago it was a disappointing ending to the way things went. Uh, but at the same time, it seems like that group, uh, the players that were in that group, have done a really good job of coming away from that, building from that, and, and kind of growing out of that experience. What was that experience like for you? And, and when you talk about, say, someone like Caleb Porter, who was the coach of that team, you know, what, what did he bring to the table? Uh, it was a great experience, you know, playing with the best players at that time for our age group. It brought out the best in us. Unfortunately, we didn't qualify, but um, Coach Porter is a great coach. Um, you know, from the practices to the way we played, everything was top-notch. Um, on the field, we, you know, we could have done a better product, especially in the qualifying tournament. But it just shows um, the talent that we had, that everyone is able to overcome the adversity that we face and uh, is starting to do well and starting to grow into their own. Now, now obviously last year was, was a rough year. It was a rebuilding year. Um, what, what's it, what's going to be the key for you guys, the Philadelphia Union, uh, this year to kind of get back into the playoffs? I mean, do you feel like this team can do that? I mean, a lot of, and a lot of people aren't projecting you guys to make the playoffs, but you guys have looked pretty good uh, so far early this season. I mean, what's going to take for you guys to get back to the playoffs? Um, just, you know, we've got to limit the mental lapses 
you know, last year we um, we showed the potential that we, we were able to beat anyone on any given day if we played to the best of our abilities. Uh, we showed that with making it to the semifinals of the Open Cup, but we also showed our inexperience in the Open Cup, the way KC handled us at home in the semifinals. So if we could just cut down on the mental lapses and grow as a team, uh, we had the potential to, to go as far as we possibly can. Now, Moby, throughout your career, your, throughout your young career, you've been a part of the youth national team setup. Uh, but now, and now coming off the year you had, the second half last year, uh, there's been a lot of talk about just how, how, how good you looked at center back. Now you're there again at center back. Have you thought at all about the national team? And I mean, obviously this summer is going to be a big summer with the Gold Cup. Is that on your mind at all? I mean, have you even given that any thought about that possibility, about playing your way into the national team conversation? Oh, yeah, that's, that's on my mind. I mean, I've... I've been fortunate enough to be with the national team all the way from U14 to U23, and uh, the full team is the next step. But I know I just have to take care of business on the club level, and then hopefully Clemson will look at me, um, hopefully for the goal cup, because that's probably that's like one of my goals right now. But it, it all comes down to the team. If we do well as a team, then certain individuals will obviously, obviously stand out, and then that's when the rest takes care of themselves. Last one for you. Is it is it fair to say that you are now officially a center back? Are you going to stay there, or, 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 or might you move back to midfield? Uh, I think you can just call me center back, center mid now. I think uh, I'm not sure. You still got to ask the coach, but I'm willing to play uh, anywhere. Uh, I still love center mid, but center back's fun as well. And I've been playing center back more, so I guess you can call me center back first and center mid instead of center mid, center back. Well, Moby, uh, who's gonna, one last. Who's gonna Who's gonna get the first call up? You or Jack? <laughs> I don't know. Everyone likes goal scorers, but um, if the defenders keep well. falling down, getting injured, then I don't know. Uh, we, we've been roommates. Hopefully, we can get called in together. That would be great. Especially coming into the draft, 2010 together, going into residency, knowing each other at residency. It'll be good if we can get, uh, you know, be the first union players to get um, uh, official cats. Well, he's playing with he's playing with some swagger these days. I watched him today. Uh, he he had a nice little celebration on his goal. He looks like he he just looks like he's uh, 25 out there. Yeah, he looks like he's done it before, but that's what he's known for. He's just a a clinical finisher. You can't even give him one chance, or he's gonna punish you. And I'm happy for him. It's good. Uh, he's been uh, he's been begging me to score one of my chances, so I, I scored a goal for him today, and he said I could do one better in the score. So it was good. Well, Moby, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, have a great birthday on Wednesday, man. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for having me, and I uh, hope to see you guys soon. Thanks, man. Good luck going forward. All right, perfect. And Moby turns 22 on Wednesday, Ivis. I got to call you out because you called me out on this a couple weeks ago for saying a certain word. Do you know what you said? You said swagger, and you destroyed me for saying swag. So I'm going to destroy you for saying swagger. I believe you should be able to say swagger. No, it's the same thing. But it's not even that you used it. It's that you said it like five times in ten minutes. That's like you over you overdid it. Oh, see, you, I love you how you're trying, to, you're trying to justify it right now. Listeners, don't buy out. this. No one buy this. I'm not I think it, it. One swag limit. I think there's one. You can you can make reference to swag one time. I think we should eliminate it from the show. If I can't say it, then you can't say it. <laughs> Listen, it's bad enough we got to play your, your the music that you like at, on the outro. Oh my god! I, I, I played <laughs> Ice Cube and then I played Tupac. I mean, what what, what is wrong with what I'm choosing? I a childish uh, uh, Gambino. I mean, people know who these guys are. 
Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'm just, I'm just busting jobs. I'm just busting jobs. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, we, you have a different swag than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. And Ivis, like you said at the beginning, I mean, pretty good day. You score a goal, your team wins. I mean, that flight going back, that flight has to be so much more relaxing. Uh, definitely. I mean, you know, for, not that red eyes are ever a fun thing. But, no. You know, taking a red eye back to Philly is going to be a lot easier with with three points in your pocket. And and for Moby Akugo especially, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's been, you know, been in the league. This is his fourth season now. And he's come close to scoring goals before. He's had chances before. He's never found the net before. And for a guy who, you know, when he was at UCLA, was a was an attack considered an attacking midfielder, attacking player, it had to be it had to be a sweet feeling to to get on the net on the on the scoreboard there. And I tell you what, now that he's got that first one under his belt, uh, I think we could see a few more from him. No, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, sometimes maybe the guys, I mean, he, the first goal ever. I mean, it's it's maybe something the first step in the process where maybe he'll feel more comfortable in front of the net. Ivis, let's move on. Let's keep looking at other games. Uh, let's look at one right here. Chivas USA defeating FC Dallas three to one. What do you take from this, Ivis? Well, I'll tell you, it's like we said last show the, that you know they lost their first game of the season mm-hmm. three to one, but the score was not indicative of how well they played. Yes, I, I don't want to say that Chivas played really well in the first game, but I thought they showed some signs, especially in the attack, creating chances. Uh, there's something there. I mean, as much as their front office seems to be a mess, as much as their ticket sales approach it seems to be a disaster, uh, I will say that on the field, it seems like maybe it's coming together there. And the fact that they were able to come back from a one-goal deficit and put three unanswered goals on FC Dallas mm-hmm. is is a big step for them, a big step for Chelis, their manager, uh, you know, who's obviously has a patchwork team there. He's really thrown a squad together, especially defensively. He brought up, he, you know, he signed a few defenders to start, you know, like days before the start of the season. So, I mean, hey, there's going to be growing pains. But, you know, if you're if you're if you're a Chivas USA fan, uh, if you're Chelis, you have to feel pretty good about getting three points and, and coming back and showing some life now uh, second week into the season. But I was when you take when you look at this game, though, I mean, FC Dallas did not have the best game, not as good as the result they had against the Rapids the week before. But I mean, when you look at FC Dallas, I mean, what, what do you what do you attribute this to? Maybe they thought Chivas USA wasn't going to be that good, or they just weren't focused in this game. I and mean, what's what's up with that? Honestly, I just don't think they've been that good. I just I listen when we when we did the rankings before the season, I put them very low in the West, and I know some people were kind of like, "What FC Dallas? They're a good team. They're going to be a playoff team." Mm-hmm. I had my concerns about them, and we're two weeks into the season now. And listen, that first game against Colorado, yes, they got three points, but it was an ugly game. I can't I can't think of even many Dallas fans who who will tell you that that Colorado game uh, was anything to feel good about or anything to to kind of build on or or, or confidence builder. It wasn't. It was a really bad game. If not for a a serious goalkeeping howler, they would have been lucky to get away with a point there. Now you come – now you play a team like Chivas USA, a team in in kind of – in a bit of disarray, a team with a suspect defense, uh, you know, for and and then you just get torn apart for three goals. I mean, you know – while, while, while it's funny because last week Chivas USA the score was not indicative of how well they played. Uh, I agree with you that this score is also not indicative of how of how well Chivas played in this game either. But Dallas, I mean, if you're da- if you're a Dallas fan, these two game these first two games are serious. Quite, are, you know, there's some cause for concern here. I mean, their defense, you know, giving up three goals to Chivas has got to be a, a concern. And like as I said before the season, losing Julian de Guzman. 
losing Daniel Hernandez to retirement. You've lost some steel in the middle, some toughness in the middle. You need a you don't they don't have that player who kind of ties things together in the midfield mm-hmm. and that I think every good team needs. I think you know, whether you know Osvaldo Alonso, Kyle Beckerman, Juninho for LA, uh, you know, Patrice Bernier for Montreal. I mean Will Johnson for Portland, you know, you need you need a guy like that. And and at Dallas right now, they don't have it. Uh, they they put together Bobby Warshaw and Andrew Jacobson in central midfield, and I just don't think that's going to get it done. If you're Dallas, that's not going to be enough. And and that's and they have to address that. I don't know if they do it now, they do it in the summer. But until they improve that part of the field, I, I think they're going to have problems. Well, obviously, when you talk about defensive performances, one team that we thought going into the season was going to have a very strong defense. That was the Chicago Fire. But don't look now. Chicago Fire 0-2. New England got the victory 1-0. But the goal from, of all people, Jerry Bankston, you know, what's going on with the Fire right now? Or is this a great win by New England? Well, to be fair, their best defender, Arn Friedrich, has been injured. And it just shows how important he is to that team uh, that they they look a little lost without him right now. I mean, you know, Austin Berry... He's the rookie of the year. He had a great year last year. He, but he is not someone that you you build your defense around. He's not someone that's going to lead a defense. And right now, you have him and Jaleel Alibaba playing together, and it's just you know the two young center backs. It, it, it's just something missing there. Friedrich is clearly they're, they're they've missing they're missing him quite a bit there. And I think, but again, that's not even the biggest issue because you know they lost one zero on a great play, a great pass from Kellen Rowe, a great finish from Bankson. But the bigger issue for Chicago is two games, zero goals. And we talked about it before the season. They don't have a star forward. Uh, some, you know, They don't have a DP forward. They don't have an Henri, Wondolowski, Robbie Keane. Uh, they're coming into the season. They've made some adjustments. They, they, they made some trades to get some veterans in the midfield. But there's, you know, you don't have that go-to guy up top, and it's clear as day there. That's that's sorely lacking. I mean, Sergio McDonald, you know, he showed some good signs last year. I, uh, you know, I thought he would do all right, but you know, he hasn't looked good. He missed a, he missed some clear chances against New England. Uh, so, you know, if you're Chicago, you gotta you have to go back to the drawing board. You have to figure out a way to go get yourself a forward because the, with what they have now in their attack. It's just not going to be enough. Well, I mean, you also had to come away impressed with New England. They didn't play the first week. Uh, they had that by the first week. But, I mean, New England a couple of times in front of the goal. I mean, they had some very nice passing back and forth, a little combination between a couple of players. I mean, you, a New England fan, I mean, you got to be pretty happy with this result. No, without question. I mean, I think, you know, they, they have quite a few talented midfielders. Uh, and I think the question coming in, people wanted to see how the defense would come together. And, you know their defense looked pretty good. I mean, obviously, you know Chicago didn't didn't present the t- you know the toughest uh, task in the world, but but you still, if you're Jay Heaps, you know when, when you talk about the, the the reconstruction of their defense. For me, Andrew Farrell, I thought Andrew Farrell was outstanding as a rookie. When you, you know you're going up against someone like you know Patrick Niako, uh also Dilly Duca, you know he he did he shut it down. I mean he. He, he, there were no issues coming from from Andrew Farrell's side of the field. I thought he was great. Uh, you know, I, I think the center backs uh, for New England. When you talk about uh, Jose Gonzalez and AJ Soares, I thought they did really well. They really did. You know, they just shut down Chicago in the middle. Didn't didn't give them all that many chances. So that that's the really encouraging part. I mean, I think people thought, hey, they have a bunch of talented midfielders. They should be able to create chances. Jerry Bankston is one of the best young forwards. In the league, he was part of my SBI MLS breakout best eleven, and you know he's making me look pretty good there. Uh, and they don't even have Sire Sen back yet from injury. 
Uh, but I think, you know, New England, if their defense can be that good and can really come together and be stingy, uh, they're going to be right there in every game because they have a good midfield. They got they have some some dangerous forwards. Uh, but again, that back four is the key because if it can stay strong, they're going to be right there. Wait, what was that list? I've never heard of that list before. No, it was the preseason we did. You know, <laughs> SBI we 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 did our all rookie preseason best eleven, and we did our breakout MLS best eleven eleven players that that uh, you know we you know that I see. Having breakout years, and uh, among the players on that list, along with Bankston, Amobi Akugo is also on that list. Well, and I, as, I mean, as as the saying goes, we all know it's not how you start; it's how you finish, aka LA Galaxy. I mean, so obviously, I mean, we have a lot of seasons still to play. Oh, without a doubt, no one's chiseling any names on any on the Supporters Shield or the MLS Cup in March. It's a long way to go, uh, you know. Well, I, don't, I you know. But again, you, if your if your team is doing well, if your team has been surprisingly good, if you're a Montreal Impact fan, if you're a Whitecaps fan, yeah, uh, you got reason to feel good, and, and 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 no one should no one should tell you to feel differently. But it's a long season, so fast starts can can fade. I mean, hey, look at the Whitecaps last year. White, Vancouver Whitecaps were great in the first half last year, and then it was meltdown mode. Last year, as you mentioned, the LA Galaxy were terrible first half of the season. They figured it out in the second half. They won the title. So. Um, you know, you can't, uh, there's no titles won or lost in March, but there are definitely some causes for concern for some teams and there's some positive, uh, definitely some positive trends for some teams. A positive trend for Vancouver Whitecaps. They are now two and oh, Ivis, as we wrap up the show, anything that we need to look forward to this week, soccer wise? Well, I think if you're a U.S. national team fan, you're just going to be holding your breath hoping nobody else gets injured. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the key. Everyone's going to have their eye on Jeff Cameron, Omar Gonzalez. Uh, every Everybody who's supposed to be a projected starter for the U.S., you got to keep your eyes on, hope that whoever has this voodoo doll gets tired of getting people injured. Uh, and again, we're going to be waiting for Clint Dempsey. We want to see if he makes it back now, if he's going to be able to uh, play a game before we have this international break. Um because he, I mean, I tell you what, listen, Brad Guzan can fill in for Tim Howard. Mm-hmm. You just don't have anyone who's going to replace Clint Dempsey. You don't, there is nobody else. There is no one who is as reliable as he is in the attack. No one who's been as, as dependable, a, a, produ- a goal producer as he has, he has been. If, you know, he's the key. I mean, I'd say for all these injuries, uh, you know, you don't want to have any of these injuries, but that's one that, that would be really tough to, 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 to overcome, especially when Landon Donovan's not around. Uh, you know the, he because you know I, I can't remember the last time you had a big game where neither one of those guys were were around. Think about that. I mean, a yeah. game, I, I can't even. You're gonna have to go back to pre 2006 to a game. Actually, even further back, you might have to go back to 2000 to 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 find an important game that didn't have a U, important U.S. game that didn't have Tim Howard, Clint Dempsey, or Landon Donovan. None of the three. Uh, so hopefully, Clint Dempsey makes it back. You still, you know. I know a lot of people are in panic mode, but again, it's all about that Costa Rica game, getting three points against Costa Rica. They're a tough team, but they are a beatable team, without question. Uh, you know, I saw them against Panama. They, you know, they, they, they had a good comeback against Panama, and credit to them uh, to come back from two goals down to get a point in Panama. That's very impressive, but you know, the, the U.S. for me is better than Panama, even with these injuries. So that's going to be the key, getting three points in that game. and. As long as there aren't any more big injuries, I think the U.S. still has enough players to get it done. No, and, and that's the thing. I mean, the depth is uh, 
does pretty good right now. I mean, granted, the depth's not the talent of those guys who are missing, though, but I think there's guys who can come in and be, you know, obviously reliable guys in there. We're not going to have to be, oh, my gosh, what's he doing out there type of thing. And I think that that shows that soccer in the U.S. is getting better that we have that depth now. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think it's going to be, you know, as scary as it is to see key players and veteran players, longstanding players be injured, be absent. I mm-hmm. think there is something to be excited about, about seeing other guys step up, other guys show what they can do. Brad Guzan, for example, I mean, he's going to have his chance now after having a great year in Villa. He's going to have his chance here now with two big games to show what he can do. And now you have other players, someone like Joe Corona. Joe Corona is having a great, is in a great moment in his young career. He's someone who could be called upon uh, if needed. Someone like Omar Gonzalez, who obviously had had a rough first game against Honduras, but he's going to, you know, most likely start now against Costa Rica, go up against Alvaro Saborio, someone who he knows well. So, you know, it's it's a chance to see this next generation. Uh, under under the uh, under the bright lights in the pressure moments, and you know what? At, at a certain point, we need to have this next generation step up. We need to have some new faces step up. It was interesting to hear someone say to me recently that, you know, there isn't that player that's come along yet to carry the mantle away from Dempsey and and Donovan. And while I think Michael Bradley for me is that next player, I think he is that next American star that there is still kind of from an attacking standpoint a little bit something lacking there. So I don't know if it's going to be Josie, if it's going to be Terrence Boyd, or, it's, or if it's going to be Joe Corona. Uh, it, we will hopefully see some players step up here in the next few weeks. Hey, well, one of those players could be Hercules Gomez. Hercules Gomez. We want to thank for being on the show today. We also want to thank Omobi Akugo for joining us as well. Ivis, you have a great week, man. You too, man. And, uh, it should uh, should be a fun one with the Champions League, and uh, I'm just glad that you're back from Cal- from California from slumming it out there with the rich folks in Cali. Dude, I wasn't slumming with anyone. I was staying in uh, in West in West Hollywood, and I had to catch a couple games. I mean, it was it was a good trip. Oh, I love LA. Anytime I can get out there, I, I, I do it. It's it's I don't know, man. It's it's the thing that confused me with LA. There's just so many people out there. It's insane. I mean, everywhere you go, there's just people. <laughs> but you need to come to New York, my man. If you well, think, I, like, if you think not, LA's bad. Come no, no, but like, think... I, my thing is like, I'm not from a small city. I mean, Phoenix has, I think, five million people at this point. But like, when when you drive to LA, like anyone who drives to LA, as soon as you hit Palm Springs, you literally, you literally are in a city for the next two and a half hours of driving. You know, like you never leave a city. It's just, it's, it's insane. Right. Well, I will tell you what, there's, 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 uh, there's worse places to hang out in than LA. No, no, no. I, 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 I had a very good time. The, uh, the coaching staff asked me if my behavior was, uh, was appropriate. I, I looked at them and gave them a smile, and then you know, I, I got the okay. Were you causing trouble out there, man? Did oh. you get arrested? No, I think no, you might have no, no. gotten in trouble. No, 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 no. But I'm always causing trouble when I'm out of town. Ivis, we don't need to go into those details. <laughs> details. That wraps it up for the show today. Ivis, thank you so much. I want to thank our guests. Everyone, we'll be back again later this week. This is the SBI Podcast. Thanks for listening. Just kill them.